Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Episode 43 of Believe in Bending LA. And for the first time since early March, we are coming off of some live betting action where both of us, Chris and I, had successful runs in the 2020 NFL Draft. This is your host, Sam Maxwell. You can find me, as always, on Twitter at smaxwell713. Joined by my co-host, Chris Lewert. You can find him on Twitter at Rock of Stag Capital. You can find them at Stag Cap on Twitter. We had a good run there, Chris. How'd you feel with a very successful NFL Draft run? Well, we were texting each other back and forth, and all we could say was, damn, why didn't we get more money on this? Damn, we should have put more money down on this. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it, uh, it was winning, and winning feels really good. And uh, to a certain extent, we were capped at how much we could bet. A lot of these books were only accepting $100 bets uh, just because there's so much uncertainty. They don't want to get taken advantage of too bad. But um, for a moment in time there, it felt like uh, everything was right with the world. It really, it really did. It was, I felt like something, something in my life actually mattered for once. You know, waking up last Thursday, I was putting together my, the final touches of my uh, first round NFL mock draft, which I won the competition with my friends for the fifth straight season. You're getting your bets in. You're reading real rumors. Uh, it was very exciting, and it, and it felt well said. It felt like everything was right in the world. It was a lot of fun. Both of us had a lot of success, and the draft will break down how we did. Hopefully, you guys took our bets because we both were very successful in the 2020 NFL draft. And We were talking, Chris, before we got on the air. These events are tremendous opportunities to make profits on. When you bet on an NFL Sunday, when you bet on a college football Saturday, there is so much work and knowledge and statistics that go into these betting lines. It is darn near impossible to win consistently in game action. However, for the NFL draft, especially this particular NFL draft, with it being such an outlier in terms of how it was done, there is a lot of work to be done. I'm not, you know, I'm trying to give these credit, these handicappers, a lot of credit. The guys at Bet Online, uh, this, by the way, this podcast is presented by the fine folks at Bet Online. They put a lot of work into this. They know exactly, uh, you know, as much as they can, at least, where people are going to go, which teams are going to take what. But there's a lot of advantage uh, for us, the betters, for an event like this, especially with some of these silly. Uh, draft props that we'll go through. They're easy to win, and these types of events are really where we can separate ourselves from the amateur bettors and place these bets and profit off of them. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But the NFL draft is one of my favorite events of the year to bet on for obvious reasons. The NBA draft will happen at some point in the next year. We don't know exactly <laughs> when we'll ever see basketball again, but there will be another NBA draft, and we'll be doing another one of these episodes for that. That one, I think, is also a great opportunity to cash on. All right, again, this is episode 43 of Believe in Betting LA. Your host, Sam Maxwell, joined by Chris Lewert. We are available wherever you choose to get your podcast from. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. And you can find us and all the other great Believe podcasts at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. There's some great NFL draft content on the Believe Podcast Network. There are lots of team-specific uh, uh, podcasts on Believe Network, uh, including Believe in LA football. If you want to go and just specifically hear about the Chargers and how the Rams did, uh, there's Titans, there's Steelers, there's uh, FCS football with Joe DeLeon, who joined us in the uh, NFC South uh, offseason preview and recap a couple weeks ago. 
you know, a lot of great content out there. We obviously specifically uh, are, are talking about betting. So we're going to recap our bets here. We're also going to talk about how the Chargers did, how the Rams did, how that affects their season-long upcoming future bets. I will also briefly discuss about landing spots for both UCLA and USC players. First, Chris, let's talk about how we did. You did pretty damn well. How about not losing a bet? 5-0-2. <laughs> I went 8-4. and four. Uh, had a couple of really nice bets there. A lot of our bets were expensive, Chris, but some of them just seemed so obvious. Why not take them? Talk about your bets here. 5-0-2. Oh, you did quite well. Yeah, this gets to the getting a little frustrated that we couldn't have had more money down on it, right? Um, especially I had Clemson, Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State plus a half more player drafted in the first round of Clemson. I got that at plus 225. Uh, and, you know, when that's something I would have liked to put a bit more money down on than just a hundred dollars, but it's, it feels, it's funny how there's the saying that winning doesn't feel as good as losing feels bad. We what talked I about a couple episodes ago. Huh? Yeah. Right. It, <laughs> I like being, what you have to take solace in is like being right. You know, you knew something that maybe somebody else didn't know. Right. Uh, and take that into account that there's, there's something to be said for, it's just, I think it's good it's good positive reinforcement about doing things kind of the right way. Um, taking, you know, it's the same thing I preach each and every day, taking a value-based approach, taking your heart out of it. What do you think? You know, what it's, it, you know, every single year in the Super Bowl, right? Everybody's got a friend who knows a guy who delivered the Gatorade to the Super Bowl. And, you know, I got this hot tip, so I'm going to go place a bet on it, right? That stuff just never pans out. It's just I want every if you take anything away from listening to us babble on, like take away from the fact that like, don't bet that way. That's not not setting yourself up for long term success. And if you don't want to ever have that sinking feeling where a Sunday's coming around and you got murdered last Sunday, um, bet consistently, right? Bet smart. Uh, take a value based approach. Take your heart out of it. You do things like you go five zero and two. You know, it's it's singles and doubles, right? We never go out there trying to hit a home run. But every now and then you run into one and you just don't lose a bet, right? Uh, and that's, that is kind of the thing that I took away from the draft is that it felt good to actually get bets down again. Uh, obviously, this is uh, variance in the positive direction, right? Going 5-0-2 or 8-4 is just not going to happen all that often. But um, it just felt really good to be off so long and then get some bets down and have this just monster, monster day for both of us. Right, right. Well, let's recap exactly how we did here. You went 5-0-2, um, and I think I have some of your bets here. So the, your lock was the Andrew Thomas mentioned uh, in a high, to, to have played in a high school band. That was mentioned almost immediately when, when Georgia tackle <laughs> Andrew Thomas was drafted by the New York Giants at number four. Just like we predicted, they popped up a picture there. They discussed it. It's a fun fact. It's interesting. If you learned anything about ESPN's coverage of the 2020 NFL Draft, uh, very infrequently they talked about fun, positive, light things. They wanted to talk about all the crappy things that have happened in, our, in people's lives over the past 20-plus seasons, uh, which a lot of people did not like that, including myself. But this one was fun. We knew that was going to happen. Uh, you also, of course, you mentioned, got the Ohio State more players drafted than Clemson. Uh, they actually, uh, Ohio State had more players. They had three to two players drafted in the first round. Uh, and so that was a great pick by you. Uh, the Clemson money line over Oklahoma, that was a push. Yep. And, of course, uh, another one of your locks was over one and a half Clemson players taken, as we knew. They were going to have Simmons taken, which meant that we either needed A.J. Terrell, who was drafted number 16 overall by the Falcons, or T. Higgins, who ended up going the second round. All we needed was one of those. You cashed there. So 5-0-2 oh, for Chris. I went 8-4. and four. 
my my losses here, and, and it almost happened. Jonathan Taylor was taken in very early in the second round, but the Indianapolis Colts. We'll talk about him uh, on one of our NFL Futures uh, podcast episodes coming up here. Um, the Chiefs ended up taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as the only running back at number 32 in the first round. So those two were both losses. Jalen Rager was a first-rounder. He was drafted by the Eagles. We did get under four QBs selected. Uh, we did not get two at exactly number three overall. I was very surprised that no one traded up to get him at number three. But we did get Herbert as number three quarterback taken some of our fun ones here total dog shown over three and a half uh this cashed dave mason of, of bet online who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago uh basically said there's some disagreements here he was not going to watch the full six hours or whatever of yeah. coverage from the first round so they're just going to grade that as a positive we can think iowa offensive tackle tristan Wirfs home for hitting the over on total cat shown in the broadcast Joe Burrow, some way, somehow, fucked <laughs> his father first. So that was one of, that was one of my losses there. Um, the overall under 20.5 players shown in a tie was an easy cash. I only counted five or six players overall that wore that. I mean, it's just like we predicted. Guys were in sweats. Guys were in T-shirts. Guys were showing sponsorships. Guys were wearing their college uh, you know, workout attire. That one was easy. Uh, and, of course, my two locks here. Will pizza be shown to any drafty home? Yes, that was an expensive one at minus 600, but it was shown countless times. A lot of product yeah. placement, I imagine. And Chargers, first player offense, we knew was going to either be quarterback or offensive tackle. That one cashed as well. And just a, a, a cautionary tale here, or, or really something that you need to check next time in any sort of event like this occurs, go from book to book to book to book to book. They're going to make errors. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to have different grades. You know, when sure. you talk about spreads and over-unders and even props during games, generally speaking, Chris, I know you found that there's going to be a discrepancy from book to book to book, but not a major discrepancy. For the NFL draft, I found tremendous discrepancies out there all across the board from, you know, the props about the different colleges to over-under positions of players. There were so many different things out there. You had to shop for the best price, which is what I know you guys are really pushed there at Stag Capital. And in addition, make sure you check for mistakes. These books are prone to make mistakes for events like this. I actually found a Jake Fromm over-under prop, 70 and a half, on Saturday, the third day. We were already at pick 106. That was already a winner when yep. you woke up and you took that one. You didn't even have to sweat it out. It was a winner. Your book almost certainly has to honor that if they made a mistake. I maxed that one out. So that one, I won by, you know, a hundred or so picks even before the date began. So make sure you go from book to book to book to check for value and to check for mistakes because these books will make mistakes here and there. So a very successful run for the Believe in Betting LA podcast. If you took either one of our picks, you cashed very well. Chris, again, did not lose a bet. You went 5 and 2 and I went eight and four. So a grand total, Chris, of 13, four and two between the two of us. And if you followed me on Twitter, I gave away some winning bets as well that I did not have in the podcast that I ended up taking based on my final first round mock draft. Real briefly here, let's just talk about how fun it was to have this event and, and some surprises. I mean, uh, it was really interesting to see Roger Goodell get more casual as, as the weekend. Uh, it felt so uncomfortable to me. He just left. <laughs> It, was bad. Very it just didn't look great. <laughs> and the surprise of the draft, we have to talk about it. The Green Bay Packers trading up to select Utah State quarterback Jordan Love. They mentioned that this is just the way their board fell. But why trade away a fourth-round pick if that's the way your board fell? They clearly targeted him, wanted him. It's going to make for a very messy and ugly divorce, I think, between Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Just talk about some moments that stuck out to you. How great was it to have 
live sports again, to watch football, to see these teams building with real action here. Uh, just talk about your experience watching the draft this past weekend. Yeah, I haven't looked away. You know, uh, the uncomfortableness, like a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, uh, it was cringeworthy at times watching Roger Goodell. He just looked horribly uncomfortable. He was trying to read from his, you know, teleprompter, the guy with like the the old cards they used to do and they moved the cards for the guy's lines. You could see his eyes moving back and forth and just didn't look comfortable. Um, but the this goes to show you that like from a business standpoint, they don't need to have a bonanza right now. I guess if the city's paying for all of it, like I know Las Vegas missed out on many millions of dollars because they didn't have a massive contingent of NFL draft watchers descend upon the city, but the ratings were huge. People were watching online. People were watching on their TVs. It was a big event. And it just goes to show that technology has reached a point that like people will consume your content if you put it out there. As a shareholder in Disney who owns ESPN, I hope somebody got the message that you don't have to have these multi, multi-million dollar on-site events where you've got all of this huge talent. Like people, I don't think people tune in to hear Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland. I really don't think they care. Uh, <laughs> I think you would get more viewers if you had on ESPN2 Monday Night Football with just sounds of the game, right? No announcers. Mm -hmm. All you could hear was, you know, players calling out things and, you know, birds chirping and fans yelling. Uh, I think that's chirping. a better, yeah, like, I think that's a better experience. I think this isn't the Eagles Falcons game here, Doc. Yeah, that's right. Well, I guess maybe the problem you'd have there is quite a few expletives being thrown around, but uh, it's cable. You can get away with that. So that was, it's, you know, it's weird that that's where my mind went. Um, as far as like the draft, the draft goes, uh, I thought they did a good job tip of the cap to the producers and engineers of uh, the NFL draft. I didn't see really any hiccups. You know, it was funny to me when they'd cut to cameras and I think Bill Belichick's dog was sitting in his chair. And oh, that <laughs> Bill was, was excellent. Yeah. Nike, Bill was, Nike, I think the dog name was. Yeah, he was just, yeah. I think they that was like, Bill Belichick's way of sticking the middle finger to the production folks that he had to be on TV in his Nantucket home. <laughs> yep, that's right. Definitely. And they had the little graphic up already. <laughs> it's like Bill Belichick. Uh, just funny things like that. I thought it was enjoyable, the lightheartedness of it. You know, I think at times in the, the green room with the suits and everything, it feels a little too, maybe a little more serious than it needs to be. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was like watching a real sporting event. Like like you and like Dave Mason, I didn't have six hours to watch the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, but like it just, I forgot about what was going on in the world for a minute. It yep. felt like I was tuning in for, you know, for a game to watch, um, you know, a big event, having bets down and, you know, the bullet chips right next to me. So um, super enjoyable. And I actually think we're probably going to get, I think other sports are going to kind of follow this lead. I think they'll be drumming up more, more content draft or otherwise like that, because this was, this was a big hit for the NFL. It was a huge hit. The ratings were through the roof and, you know, really just a tremendous job by the NFL as a whole and, and all of the GMs and coaches and players. It was a lot of fun. You could see the intimate details of people's homes, uh, seeing, you know, all these families celebrating. You know, usually we only get to see um, the, the families of the guys in the green room or the select few players that have cameras in their homes and have those draft parties. It's, it's usually a grand total of maybe 25 to 30 players at most. You know, this one, a lot of players had, you know, cell phones up. And even on the second and the third day, you had a lot of players. You could just see their celebrations. And uh, it was really a, a special, special moment for these players. And 
that's something that a lot of these NFL execs have talked about. We're definitely going to continue, you know, sharing those details with, with the audience at home. And I think a lot of us are rooting for some sort of technical glitch or a mess up by a team or a skipping of a team or something crazy to happen. And some people just want to see chaos uh, with these types of events. We didn't see that at all. This no, was as no, very clean. Possible. If you didn't know from the outside that coronavirus happening and, you know, this was a special draft, you wouldn't have even noticed a difference. It went on without a glitch. No hiccups whatsoever. They went very seamlessly from studio to Roger Goodell to the various players' homes to the various coaches. It was absolutely phenomenal, and the NFL completely knocked it out of the park. So a lot of fun. The only thing which I already talked about, which I did not like, was just the sensationalized fun facts of these players of, you know, someone died and uh, someone recovered in their family from drug abuse. And, uh, you know, this is a tremendously happy moment. The world already sucks around us right now. Yep. We, did, we didn't need these things. We didn't need all the negativity. And what I'm guessing happened with the background in sports production myself, what I'm guessing happened is that these producers reach out to these individual players and ask them what they wanted to share. And sometimes, uh, you know, these, these details are, are serious and, and uncomfortable. And maybe they wanted those things to be shown. But if they didn't, that, you know, that is just a terrible, terrible job, ASPN, to sensationalize that and, you know, kind of mar these tremendously happy moments for these, these players and their families. So I, I was not a fan of that. That was all over Twitter uh, that, that, that these producers were, were disappointed when someone grew up with two loving parents or whatever. So I just had to state that because I thought that to be uh, quite ridiculous. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about how both the Chargers and the Rams did. The Chargers, of course, had the number six overall pick. I think both Chris and I, the consensus between the two of us was that we liked Tua Tagovailoa a lot more than Justin Herbert. Of course, Tua's much riskier. He's a mobile quarterback. He's a lefty quarterback, which we haven't seen in quite some time. He was in a tremendous program at Alabama, which sometimes tends to prop players up unnecessarily so. And, of course, he had that hip injury, and a lot of teams were not able to see him in person, give him a physical, so there's some questions there about his health. He ended up going number five overall to the Miami Dolphins. Neither the Chargers nor the Dolphins felt the need to trade up to number three to get to it. Therefore, the Chargers went with their man, Justin Herbert of Oregon, at number six overall. That was their, that this is now their, their franchise quarterback. They've mentioned in the past they're comfortable with Terod Taylor starting this year or maybe even multiple seasons in the powder blue uniforms. But Justin Herbert will probably start sometime this season as first round picks tend to do at the quarterback position. The Chargers then traded their second and third picks to the New England Patriots to move up to take linebacker Kenneth Murray of Oklahoma. They passed an LSU linebacker, Patrick Queen. It was a questionable pick, but he's a playmaker. He's a good leader. Interesting first round for the Chargers. Give me your thoughts here overall, Chris, on how the Chargers did. The consensus NFL draft grade for them was about a C plus. They did receive three A's, but they also received three C's and a ton of B's. So they're at about a B minus C plus overall consensus grades here. Look, it's going to come down to one thing and one thing only. Yep. Does Herbert develop into that franchise quarterback? If he does, this draft will be remembered as such for a long time. It doesn't really matter who else they got, really. But if he doesn't, even if he just becomes an average starter and kind of handcuffs your team into giving him a bunch of uh, you know extensions through the years, this draft will be marred by that pick. So give me your thoughts on how the Chargers did top to bottom here. Give me your thoughts on Justin Herbert. I mentioned off the air here, one of my good friends graduated from the University of Oregon. His thoughts on Justin Herbert, who had a very good career at Oregon, is this guy's going to lose a lot of people 
their jobs in the NFL. <laughs> of course, Tom Telesco, Anthony Lynn, their legacies, their jobs are probably tied to how Justin Herberts develops. What are your thoughts here on the Chargers 2020 Hall? Yeah, I, I would agree with your friend from Oregon. I don't, I'm not rooting against Justin Herbert. I just don't. It seems to me that he's been drafted on two things. He's really big and he can throw the ball far. When I watched him play the top talent in the Pac-12, he looked like a journeyman. Uh, I think you and I were discussing before we started is what's his ceiling? What is the best case scenario for Justin Herbert? Is he 10% less of Andy Dalton? Is he Andy Dalton? Because that, that just seems like how it's going to play out. Um, he's really big and that's great. It just seems like somebody got in love with the paint color of the car and didn't bother to check under the engine. I'm super, super skeptical of the pick way too high. Would have gone offensive lineman. Um, Tyrod Taylor will be fine for a couple years. It would have been nice to protect him a little bit. And frankly, when you get your quarterback or you get a quarterback who's ready to play for you, having a good offensive line is a huge win. It's not even talked about enough about how much a big deal that is if you can get an extra half a second or a second or rely on your run game because you've got good offensive linemen who can actually move the move the defensive line off the ball. Um, really down on the pick. Uh, should have gone offensive lineman. Surprised they traded up to get another linebacker on a defense that's really good. I would have tried and trade traded back and you know stockpile more picks for those third and fourth rounds and just get a bunch of guys and see who pans out because the Chargers are probably three years away from competing again on a serious level. And I think putting Herbert out there, I think we've seen this time and time again, guys who aren't ready um, and get their heads knocked in. You know, all of a sudden the career's wasted and the pick is wasted because he's just not ready to play. Uh, I hope the one thing they do do, even though they spent a big pick on it, they probably won't, is give Tyrod Taylor the full year unless he gets hurt and make Herbert carry the clipboard, uh, make him learn. It panned out for Aaron Rodgers pretty nicely. So I think that's really the only way to salvage it. Otherwise, I am, I am definitely thumbs down. Yeah, it's interesting. The Chargers did not take a single lineman with any of their seven picks, excuse me, six picks, because they traded both those picks to move up to get Kenneth Murray. So no lineman added. Um, we disagree there. Actually, I think the Chargers have a chance to compete uh, for a playoff berth this upcoming season. Their defense is extremely talented top to bottom. Their offense still does have a lot of talent at the skill positions. Their line is not great, um, but I think Eckler is going to have a great season, and they still, of course, have great receivers in Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and a great tight end in Hunter Henry. This division is very difficult, of course, with the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. The Raiders had a bunch of picks in this in this draft. I'm not sure how they're going to com compete next year, but the Broncos, I think, had a really good draft, adding a ton of speed with an already good defense as well. So this is going to be an interesting division, but I do think the Chargers at least have a chance to compete for this division and compete for what I think they'll get a wildcard berth. Something Justin Herbert and Andy Dalton both have in common, much to my chagrin, is defeating my Wisconsin Badgers at the Rose Bowl. So both, both of them share that. Um, and look, Herbert, coming into the season, was the de facto number one overall pick. A lot of people expected him to have a much better season than he did. He's a big, tall quarterback with a great arm. He's surprisingly mobile as well. His intangibles are strong. Um, you know, So I don't think this is a pick doomed to fail. If anything, I think that he's got a very high floor. This is what we talked about last podcast episode, Chris, Justin Herbert probably has the highest floor besides just Joe Burrow of any quarterback in this draft. I just don't see the ceiling. I don't see any circumstance in which this guy becomes a Hall of Fame player, a all-pro type player. I see him as a middle-of-the-pack starter, as a fringe starter at some point in his career, so I just don't see it worth a number six overall pick. How do they do the rest of the draft? In the fourth round, they took UCLA running back Josh Kelly. He will compete with Justin Jackson for that 
you know, first and second down running back role, goal line role. That'll be interesting. Then they took Joe Reed, wide receiver out of Virginia. He's also a very good returner. They took uh, Aloha Gilman, a safety out of Notre Dame in the sixth round. And probably their best value pick in the draft was taking KJ Hill of Ohio State in the seventh round. He is not a great athlete, but we've seen this time and time again. These Ohio State athletes come out of school extremely polished and ready to go. I don't think it'll be any different for KJ Hill. That's a nice pick for the Chargers. Again, the consensus grade for the 2020 draft for the Chargers was a C plus. They did get a couple A's. They also got a bunch of C's and a ton of B's. Time will tell. This draft will certainly be defined by the development of quarterback Justin Herbert. Moving on, we're talking about the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, they did not have a first-round pick in this year's draft. They did have two second-round picks and two third-round picks. Their very first pick was Cam Akers, running back of Florida State. Do yourself a favor if you have some time after listening to this podcast episode. Go search for Cam Akers' film. This guy is explosive. He is a treat to watch. One of my favorite moments of the draft, Chris, this past week was Daniel Jeremiah, who I love, of the NFL Network. He mentioned, if you, you can go outside your house right now and you can find five players that will probably equal or be better than the Florida State offensive line. Cam <laughs> Akers still had a tremendous season last year. This dude is explosive. He is going to be an absolute weapon for this Rams team as they try to replace Todd Gurley. He'll compete with, of course, last year's rookie, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown at that running back position. Their second uh, second second round pick came with wide receiver from Florida, Van Jefferson. This was not a great pick in my mind. There's a lot of wide receiver talent still on the board there. Van Jefferson spent four seasons at Florida. He topped that last season at 657 receiving yards. Uh, they, they must really like him. He's going to essentially be their Brandon Cook's replacement. At least they want him to be that way. I think Josh Reynolds will be that guy. Not my favorite pick there. In the third, it took edge linebacker, defensive end from Alabama, Terrell Lewis. That was a good pick. And they took Terrell Burgess, two Terrells in the third round from Utah. Overall, Chris, first day, or, or I guess second day thoughts from the Rams draft. They took a tight end then in the fourth round. They took a Fuller, uh, Jordan Fuller, a safety from Ohio State, a linebacker from Baylor, Clay Johnston in the seventh round. They took a kicker from Miami, Ohio, also in the seventh round. Their final pick was a lineman uh, from Clemson. So they did not get the help on the offensive line that they needed. Uh, this Rams team, let's be honest, they're going to be in rebuilding mode. They've traded a lot of assets over these past couple of years to try to squeeze through that Super Bowl window that they had while Jared Goff was on the rookie contract. They made it to the Super Bowl. They didn't win it. And now they're going to be facing some tough times here. They're in absolute cap hell. They also don't have the picks, the picks that they should have given. They traded so many picks away for various veterans. Give me your thoughts here on this Rams draft. I actually thought when they took Cam Akers, I said, oh, maybe, you know, the, do the Rams think they could they could do something here. You know, if uh, Gurley, obviously, I've said this for the entire year, was not healthy. Uh, I'm just waiting for something to leak out on what was wrong with his knee. But taking Cam Akers, it seemed like, oh, well, let's let's replace Gurley with a guy who's an explosive back. And, you know, maybe we can still make some noise here. Um, that's I, I thought that they were having a bit more confidence in their team for this year with that with that Cam Akers draft. But then they took Brandon Cook's cheaper Brandon Cooks and Van Jefferson. They replaced Brandon Cooks with another Brandon Cooks. Um, seemed like an interesting move. I just don't, with Cam Akers, like I really like him. But if you're not competing, which it doesn't look like you're going to be for a couple of years, then you only have a year or two left with him on his rookie contract before then you got to pay him and you don't pay running backs. And if you don't have to pay him, then he wasn't any good. So um, my guess here is that they, I think they think that they can do something this year. 
um, that Cam Akers can replace, you know, 70% of what Todd Gurley used to be and Jared Goff takes a step forward. That's ultimately what has to happen. You're paying Jared Goff $1,000 million. Uh, he has to start paying, playing like he's worth $1,000 million. And that's where your team rests. If he can take a step up, if he can play well, uh, you'll be a good team. And Cam Akers will definitely be a weapon because he's awesome. Otherwise, I'm not exactly sure why you didn't probably load up on line depth because line depth can stick with you. I'm interested to see kind of what happens with the Rams. I'm now, they've got me thinking that might be like a sneaky pick um, on an over-under total for wins or something like that, that they're going to be undervalued. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely high on Cam Akers. The guy's great. They clearly, as you mentioned, think they're going to compete this year. It's, a, it's an interesting division, certainly. I mean, the Seahawks... Uh, time after time again, have been very talented. The, the, the Cardinals are an ascending team now. Uh, and, of course, last year's NFC champion, reigning NFC champion, San Francisco 49ers. So it's a, it's a weird division. They certainly think they can compete. Uh, the first over-under total that I saw for them for next season, and I think it was eight and a half. So it's kind of right in the middle, which will be one of the more interesting ones to watch as the offseason progresses. How did they do, according to the experts? They finished... One team below, believe it or not, the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers finished at a, a overall consensus GPA of 2.88, which is, again, a C plus or B minus. And the, the Rams finished at 2.8. They finished with four Cs, and they finished with their high uh, draft grades were two As. So, you know, both these teams needed a lot of help in line. Both these teams did not land a single lineman. I guess the Rams took one in the seventh round, but not someone that you expect to be an impact player from day one. So a really interesting draft for both these teams. Cam Akers, I think we'll talk about it in the future. I think he's a great value for Offensive Rookie of the Year. I saw him at 22 to 1. This guy's going to step in uh, and very likely be an impact player from day one. He is explosive. He can catch the ball. He's already got experience performing behind a very uh, porous offensive line. So that's something he's going to have to get used to. Poor guy. I uh, was hoping he'd probably go to a better offensive uh, line, but it's a good scheme for him. It's a good, it's a good uh, opportunity in terms of getting a lot of touches from day one. So neither the Chargers nor the Rams really knocked out of the park, according to the experts, but both will be judged about how they do uh, from their various top picks. And I think the Rams at least uh, got some depth. They made a couple of really nice picks there. The Chargers just hinge, of course, on Justin Herbert. All right, let's finish this episode up here, and let's talk about uh, how both UCLA and USC did. Uh, but first, I want to talk about our sponsor for today's episode. And as previously mentioned, of course, that's at betonline.ag. If you listened to us a couple of weeks ago, we brought on Dave Mason from BetOnline. If you listened to our last episode, we talked about specific bets for BetOnline. And we talked about earlier in this episode some of the more fun bets in terms of the cats, the dogs. I hope you guys put your bets in there on BetOnline. They graded the dogs as a win overall because they could not find consensus on how many dogs were shown. That's some of the great customer service you're going to receive from Bet Online there. Uh, and there's still tons of stuff to bet on, including eSports, the election. They've got great poker series, if that's your thing. So go online to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. That's M-Y-P-O-D-100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So let's move back here, Chris. Let's talk about the players drafted from the two local teams here, UCLA and, of course, the Fighting Trojans from USC. First, starting with UCLA, three players drafted overall. Believe it or not, the first one drafted was tight end Devin Asiasi. The New England Patriots took him in the third round, overall pick number 91. The Giants then made a second Bruin selection in the fourth round, pick 110. Darnay Holmes, a cornerback, a junior, went and then, of course, as we mentioned, the Chargers wrap things up with Josh Kelly. 
An Inglewood native is going to play his professional football at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. Must be quite crazy. Real for him. He, of course, transferred from UC Davis. So an interesting pick there. Josh Kelly will be an interesting player to follow. He may, in fact, win that job behind Austin Eckler, beating out Justin Jackson. And if so, he will be relevant as a rookie in fantasy football. So three players taken from UCLA. USC actually had two picks in the first two rounds. Austin Jackson, of course, 18th overall to the Miami Dolphins. He was a junior that came out, so a great decision by him to be drafted in the first round. And Michael Pittman, the star that SC team last year, went 34th overall to the Indianapolis Colts. He's got a chance certainly to be a day one impact player for the Colts. The Colts digital media team produced a really cool kind of segment where you saw the different Zoom meetings between the executives, owner Jim Ursay, area scouts, coaching staffs, they were fired up for Michael Pittman. The offensive coordinator <laughs> has big plans for him. That's a really interesting 19-minute or so video. If you have the time, go check it out on the Colts Twitter account or go to Colts.com. Give me your thoughts here, Chris, on both schools. Only five combined picks here, uh, which is very slim, of course, given uh, how, how much talent both these programs bring in. For SC, of course, two very early picks, but no depth. For used to like three in the middle rounds there. What are your thoughts on both these programs how they're producing talent in the NFL? Kind of feels like the story for USC, doesn't it? Is like one to three, <clears throat> just absolute elite talent guys that could go first, first and second round each and every year, and then that's it. And you just don't hear anything from USC. Um, they need to, they need to build some depth, as you say. Those those uh, marquee signings are great, but honestly, you're better off with five four star recruits than you are with two five star recruits. Um, Josh Kelly, I really really like. I'm confused because he seems to me to be the same player as Justin Jackson. They're like the same guy, but really like Josh Kelly as a player. I think he's, he's going to be a, an impact player in the NFL if given the chance for sure. And then anytime the Patriots draft anybody, I like how everybody's eyebrows immediately like, Oh, Oh, he must be really good. Like, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know how good he was. Like, how come nobody, how come nobody else took him? Like this guy must be great. And then like start digging in on it. Um, so the mystique of the Patriots, uh, you probably couldn't ask for a better program to be involved in, especially if you need to get a little better and grow, uh, it seems like the Pats have just turned into a machine on how to develop players and, and kind of draft and give people the best opportunity at that point. I feel like, you know, and the plus and the minus, the plus is you're going to get every chance to succeed. And I think you're going to be coached up. I think the minus is if you can't make it in New England, maybe you're just not cut out for the NFL. <laughs> Five players overall draft between these two programs, three from UCLA, two from USC. To put it in perspective, Chris, LSU, champion of last year, who everyone's chasing, 14 players drafted. That's what it looks like to produce talent yep. into the NFL. Teams that win championships produce a lot more than two in the first two rounds. So SC certainly has a long way to go if they want to start competing with the big boys once again. But first-round pick in Austin Jackson, a early second-round pick, the second overall pick, the second round in Michael Pittman. There's always been talent on this SC team. It's just a matter of putting it together. And obviously replacing those players is not going to be easy. But, of course, when you're SC and you recruit some of the best of them, you have a chance to do so. So we'll see how this progresses moving forward. And for UCLA, despite back-to-back -back really disappointing season, uh, three players drafted is, is not bad in, in three in the first four rounds. So uh, certainly could be worse. Any final thoughts here, Chris? Episode 43, a post-NFL draft edition of Believe in Betting LA. Kind of a buzzkill that we don't have another draft to bet on this weekend. Uh, that's probably going to be the harsh reality here for a minute. But um, news seems to be mostly positive on the health front. So uh, what I will be disappointed in, if these sports leagues have done no preparation whatsoever, are completely flat-footed. They've already made me look 
horribly wrong because I was calling for sports like immediately. Couldn't couldn't believe they left all that money on the table and didn't figure something out. Um, but if they're caught flat-footed and let's say you know May fifteenth, a wonder drug is discovered and everybody's fine, and it takes Major League Baseball eight weeks to get their things together, uh, is going to be super super frustrating. So don't want to be negative Nancy about it, but. Um, come on, professional sports leagues, please be ready to rock and roll just as soon as we get the green light. Yeah, we've seen uh, as recently as yesterday news about baseball maybe resuming play as early as late June, early July, and actually playing in their home stadiums, three different divisions. The Dodgers and the Astros will actually be in the same division. So, you know, we talked about these plans ad nauseum, so we need to talk about it until it really becomes more of a reality. But, you know, I think it's safe to say that these teams, these, these executives, these players, uh, they all want to play. And so we're going to have to figure out how to – individually each get the NBA, the NHL back in their feet, get the, the MLB season started, and hopefully get some sort of semblance of a football season, uh, either in the fall or the spring. It's going to be weird. It's going to be different. These are going to be times that we certainly never forget. But hopefully, soon enough, we'll have live sports, just like we had a live event in the NFL draft last week. And I'm right there with you, Chris. When it finished on Saturday afternoon, you almost got that feeling of kind of, what now? <laughs> I've yeah. looking forward to this What's for next? so long. And, uh, and just like that. Uh, it's over. So we hope everyone's hanging in there. Uh, we know these are difficult times for everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe uh, wherever you choose to get your podcast from. It helps us out quite a bit. You can give us a review. You can go find either one of us on Twitter. Chris is at Lou Mandingo Rock and Stag Capitals at Stag Cap. I am, of course, in that S Maxwell 713. And the Believe Podcast uh, Network is at Believe Podcast. So for Roger Goodell, for the Believe Podcast Network, for Stag Capital, Chris Lewart, I'm Sam Maxwell. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.